Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Iowa is famous for writers. Iowa City is a UNESCO city of literature and, of course, home to the famed Iowa Writers Workshop MFA program. Iowa State University and Cornell College also offer MFA programs. But there are far more writers and people who want to write outside of academia. And sometimes it can be hard for an aspiring writer to find resources and supportive community. This hour, we are going to meet three Iowa who are building communities for writers. Anna McCracken is the founder of the Ames Writers Collective. Andrea Wilson is the founder of the Iowa Writers House and the Bicultural Iowa Writers Fellowship. They'll join the conversation shortly. But first up is Julie Gamick. She is the founder and producer of the Okaboji Writers Retreat and the Iowa Writers Collaborative. She's a columnist who publishes a substack called Julie Gamick's Potluck. And I do want to disclose that I attended the Okaboji Writers Retreat on a scholarship for working journalists earlier this year. Julie is with us. Hello, Julie. Well, hello, Charity. How are you? Good to see you, quote unquote, right? this way. <laughs> Wonderful to have you in the studio today. And Julie, tell us uh, what what was your inspiration for the Okaboji Writers Retreat? You have a long history in Iowa. You were a columnist columnist for the Des Moines Register. You worked in radio. There there are lots and lots of things that you have done over the years. But what was this inspiration for the Okaboji Writers Retreat? Well, like a lot of people, Charity, during COVID quarantine, we had a lot of time to do nothing (laughs) and a lot of time to think and a lot of time to look forward to the day when the vaccine would become available and we could go out in the world again. And I, during that COVID quarantine, I started my Substack column just for friends and family, and um, it grew and grew and grew. And um, during that process, I thought, well, this is fun. I should try and talk other people into starting their own Substack columns. And then the quarantine lifted somewhat, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to get a bunch of writers together in Okaboji? And I started calling my friends, many of whom had ties to the register. Some had gone on to, well, the first call I made was to a friend who had been the um, editor of the Los Angeles Times. And I said, how would you like to come to Okaboji if I put together a writer's retreat? Without hesitation, he said, sure. And uh, then that's what started it. And I made other calls and Everybody said, sure, that sounds like fun. And even though it's not really easy to get to Northwest Iowa. No, from... not even if you're in <laughs> Iowa. It's not that easy. And I keep telling people we actually have participants coming from all over the country now. And I keep telling them when they contact me for the first time, I say, well, now, before you commit to this, I need you to know it's not easy to get here. You have to fly into Sioux Falls or you have to fly into Minneapolis or Des Moines. And they come anyway and they come back, which is really quite quite amusing to me. 
So this is an opportunity for writers to come together, but it's an opportunity also for aspiring writers to learn from people with established careers. I'm sure that the idea has evolved with reality, but um, tell me what the concept is now. What lives in your brain when you think about who comes and, and what are they getting out of the experience? I'm glad you asked that. There is a story in everyone And probably right this minute, somebody's listening to our conversation and thinking, ooh, I'd really like to do something like that, but I'm not a writer. Well, I invite you to blow that self-limiting belief up and come, because half the group are just like you. Half the group just want to get started. Half the group of participants don't know why they're coming, but there's something that draws them. Maybe they want to do better with their holiday newsletters or their emails, whatever the reason is. Maybe there's a memoir, hopefully. Gosh, I'm so, I'm so, so passionate about people writing their stories because if you think back on our own ancestry, how many of us have stories from people that we didn't know growing up? And wouldn't it be great if we have a, had a collection of those life stories from our ancestors? So why not capture those now while you can? When people come to the retreat, what do they do? Well, what do they do? They they have uh, 30-plus different speakers to choose from. And the reason why I have it set up that way, most conferences don't have anywhere near as many speakers because it's costly. But I really want to create small group sessions because that's where learning takes place. Uh, yes, we do have panels, and people can go to a panel discussion with somebody like <clears throat> Reka, <clears throat> excuse me, Reka Basu, who, by the way, is retiring as a columnist from the Des Moines Register, uh, Kyle Munson, another former Register columnist, and, and many others. And they can attend a panel on, on opinion writing. So maybe there's a letter to the editor in them that they want to they write. Um, they choose what they want to do. There are several simultaneous sessions going on. So when I was there uh, this fall, there were workshops on poetry, there were workshops on memoir, there were workshops on writing history and and doing historical research, there were workshops on news writing. And there really was a, a lot of opportunity for people to explore what it means to be a journalist. And I'm curious about why that feels important to you, because so many of the people who were attending the conference we're probably not going to launch a career in journalism. Um, but why do you think that that's something that is valuable to to people who may be in their retirement years to learn about this craft? Well, it, I'm also very passionate about local news and information and, and keeping it alive, which is difficult to do when uh, readers have changed their habits of where they get news and information. And unfortunately, as a result, there's a lot of disinformation that gets uh, seeps through the, the communities and, and, and takes hold. Um, there are a lot of newspapers that have left the state or have downsized. And I think it's important for all of us to understand that it's pivotal to democracy. It's important as a taxpayer to have somebody watching over your local city council and your local supervisors to see where your tax dollars are going. All of this is just crucial to democracy. And I'm just doing my little part to to try and uh, and keep it going. So... 
I, as I mentioned, I was there this year. There were 200 people. There was just constant activity and hubbub. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Have you been surprised by how this has taken off? Yes, I, I really am. Um, and I think there there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, we we do a collectively, all of us who are involved in organizing it or teaching, we have a lot of conversations about this is for the participants. Take people where they are in the process and encourage them and support them. This isn't, you know, a lot of people have trauma from red check marks growing up on their on their school papers, and we want to just let that go. The only academic credit we, we offer is from the University of Okaboji, which is <laughs> mythical. <laughs> and, and, and that spirit really is empowering and liberating for people, I think. Jerry, what did you get out of it? What, what, what was your takeaway? Oh, now you're going to turn the conversation uh-huh. around on me. No, it was, it was just a really warm, welcoming, and inspiring community. And I really enjoyed talking to the participants because they were just so excited and you could see people light up with their ideas. Yeah. And, and it was exciting to be in that environment. And especially uh, to be in that kind of community after the years of pandemic that we've all endured. Um, I, could think, I could see that that kind of gathering was also something that really was turning people on, getting people excited. And Julie, you mentioned um, convincing people to write Substack <laughs> newsletters. <laughs> and you've been pretty darn good at convincing people to write Substack newsletters. Newsletters. Uh, tell me a little bit about the Iowa Writers Collaborative. Isn't this fun? Yes, yes. Well, it's really turning into quite the happening. Uh, we just launched Kyle Munson this week. Kyle Munson was a, a the Iowa columnist for the Register for many years. He has a huge following. Chuck Offenberger, another former Iowa columnist, huge following. And we have a lot of different writers who may not be as well-known, but who are just wonderful writers. And that's another thing that, well, what, what started me on this one was the register cut back on commentary. And I, I, you know, having grown up in a newspaper family and grown up with the Des Moines Register, a lot of a lot of our national and, and, and statewide conversations begin from reading thoughtful editorials from experts on various topics. And so I thought, well, okay, if the register's cutting back on commentary, how are people going to read about so-and-so and such-and-such? And so I, I just put together a little Zoom call with a few people, including Art Cullen, who won a Pulitzer Prize for the storm uh, for, for his newspaper, Storm Lake, uh, Storm Lake Times, excuse me, and and others, and just threw out the idea, and over time, over a few weeks, we had another Zoom meeting, and everybody eventually said, "Yeah, I'm in. Let's do this." And the only reason it works <laughs> is because we're all individual, we're all onto- autonomous. Everybody who is writing for the Iowa Writers Collaborative has their own Substack column, their own subscribers. I just once a week put together a roundup of the links from these columnists and and send that out as a whole. But that's why it works. Everybody's everybody's independent, remains independent, and will stay independent. So in bringing these different voices together, uh, you mentioned a 
reduction in commentary in the register and other newspapers, but you're not necessarily bringing together people on specific themes. I mean, they get to decide whatever they want to write about, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny. Um, I talked to uh, a woman by the name of Susanna DeBaca, who is the CEO of Business Publications. And with her background in mergers and acquisitions and having her finger on the pulse of economic development in the state, I assumed, which you want, one should never do, I assumed she would be writing about business. And she's writing poetry. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, this is really, and it's really good poetry. All right. Well, Julie, we're going to have to take a break. And I'm going to sure. let you take a break for a while. We're going to introduce our other guests, but you get to come back into the conversation a little later on. I've been talking with Julie Gamick. She is the founder of the Okaboji Writers Retreat and the Iowa Writers Collaborative. We're talking about some collectives for writers in Iowa this hour, people who are providing community and support for writers and aspiring writers. We'll continue in a moment. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Powered by Iowans and empowered to tell Iowa's story. IPR is where news, music, and culture meet. Thank you for listening and supporting your local NPR network station. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are meeting individuals who are building community and providing resources for Iowa writers and aspiring writers. And we're focusing on three organizations this hour. I know there are others who are not included in this conversation. You're welcome to share your story at Talk of Iowa at iowapublicradio.org, or you can give us a call at 866-780-9100. We've been talking with Julie Gamick of the Okaboji Writers Retreat. She'll come back in a few minutes. But my next guest is Anna McCracken, the founder of the Ames Writers Collective, founded just one year ago. Hello, Anna. Hello, Charity. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Well, thank you so much for being here. So tell me what your inspiration was for creating an organization to, to build a community for writers in Ames. So before I came back to Iowa, I'm an undergrad from Iowa State University. And um, for the last 20 years, I've been writing a memoir about the search for my birth mother and meeting her on the day she died. And um, when I was studying writing, I did it through sort of non-traditional means, um, community colleges, um, studying with best-selling authors and going to their workshops. And so when I came back to Iowa State and I enrolled in the MFA program in creative writing and environment, um, one of the classes that I took was a teaching creative writing class. And so I started to think about what I was missing in, in Ames. I knew that, you know, there was the Iowa Writers House in Iowa City, and there were other places you could go, but in Ames, we didn't really have anything for the non-traditional student. So in that class, I designed um, basically the Ames Writers Collective. And after I graduated last December, well, actually, I I launched the Writers Collective last uh, year ago in September with the Words Meet Art event, where I paired um, local writers who were aspiring writers. We had a great swath of, of writers from kids who were um, juniors in high school all the way to senior citizens who submitted writing, and we paired it with um, art at the Octagon Art um, at the Octagon Art Center. 
And then we had an event where we kicked off the Ames Writers Collective. So from there, I've been doing a lot of other things. <laughs> All right. And, and <laughs> you've been doing, obviously, a lot of things with, yeah. the, with the Ames Writers Collective. So you felt like there was this need for resources in central Iowa and outside Correct. of academia. And again, I'm sure that this is something that is evolving over time as people get involved and get excited and, and give you new ideas. But tell me about your vision for what this organization is. So I have a vision for where, you know, writers can come meet together. Um, one, of, one of the setbacks that I've had was is I wanted to open a space in Ames, but um, I signed a lease and I've been waiting to get into that space now for a year because of renovations. So I've had to think outside of the box. So a lot. So my idea was is that writers could come together in sort of a, a co-working space, but we haven't necessarily been able to do that yet. So one of the things we do is um, every other Tuesday, the second and fourth Tuesday of the month, we have open rights and we do them on Zoom and um, we come together, we what we're working on and then we sit on our you know we put ourselves on mute and we write together um i do the same sort of thing with ollie where i've been teaching now for two years in ollie and that's actually also one of the where i got an impetus to launch this where um sort of julie made the comment that people are wanting to write their life stories and that's something that i felt in the ollie program that people who come and study with me are writing their life stories. So, And, and so for I've people who aren't familiar, that's the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at Iowa State University. So these are classes yeah. for uh, people who, I guess, uh, mostly older people who really want to learn. And that's a volunteer uh, position. So you've been teaching as a volunteer. Correct. And I on my website, I call it the 50 plus writers because you have to be 50 to be in an Ollie program. Okay. However, I will say that there are women that are in their 50s, so it's not necessarily senior citizens. So I have a swath also from 50 all the way into their 80s of people who are studying with me. Um, so, you know, uh, I've kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> so so uh, <laughs> you've also been working with young writers in Ames. Tell me about Correct. that. So um, last summer, I launched the Swift Youth Writers Workshop, which was funded by the Rotary Club of Ames Community Grant. And um, I had hoped for two weeks that I got the grant two days before school closed. So um, I, promoting it was a little bit of a challenge, but I ended up with 12 writers who came together with me at the library because uh, that was actually something else learning not having a space I went to the Ames Public Library and I will always hold these uh, um, kids writing programs in the library because it's a safe space parents felt safe kids felt safe so we came together and we wrote to writing prompts and we did that for five days and it was it was really interesting these kids are kids who aren't sports-minded, they're, they're writers, they're quiet kids, and um, two of the girls that came um, on their first ta- first two days, they had their hair hanging in their faces, and, and no one really wanted to participate, and by the end of the week, both those girls had pulled their hair back, they were all writing their writing prompts, and then reading their work out loud, and a lot of them said that it gave them courage. Wow. So yeah. this is uh, right now you don't have a space. The space will come. Do you know when you get to move into your space? <laughs> no, I'm. Um, we just celebrate our year um, signing the lease and I have another year on the lease. So what's great about it is it's next to the octagon. I have windows and I um, my um, landlord uh, hangs posters for me in the window. So that's how people know who we are. And that's how a lot of people find us is by walking by the octagon and then our windows. And so 
um, it's kind of our space for right now. So I've been, you know, I've been collaborating with the library, um, the, the Stevens auditorium hosted our, um, music and music and conversation between words, which was our celebratory event that we had with John T. Price and Tom Montgomery Faith, who I know have both been on your shows and also Deb Marquardt, um, and the bone people played. So, you know, I, I think what's been good about not having a space is that it, it, you have to go out and collaborate with others. And so in doing that, like with KHOI, they recently moved into <clears throat> a new space down the street on Douglas. And so we've um, created the author spotlight series. And so we've collaborated with that too. So that I think not having a space has been a good thing in a way. Yeah. And clearly this is a labor of love for you. Is there a way for you to do this as a job? Can you make a living doing this? <laughs> um, you might want to ask my husband about that. <laughs> so right now, <laughs> right now we've been financing it, and um, for the music and uh, conversation between friends, a lot of local um, businesses supported us, so we we got sponsorships for those. So it, it helped to pay for the event, and ticket sales paid for it. So my next thing is to fundraise. So I'm kind of a one stop shop of of a lot of things. I do have a good board, and next year we'll be talking about how they can be more involved with with the Writers Collective. All right. Well, as as this evolves, uh, I'm sure many people will have eyes on it. I'm sure many people are excited to have this opportunity in Ames. Uh, Anna, stay with us. I'm going to give you a little break for a little while. Anna McCracken is Anna McCracken. Sorry, is the founder of the Ames Writers Collective. And uh, the next person I want to bring into the conversation is Andrea Wilson, <coughs> founder and executive director of the Iowa Writers House, founded in 2015. She's also a certified narrative therapist. The Iowa Writers House is the home of the Bicultural Iowa Writers Fellowship, which has resulted in three volumes of We the Interwoven, which are conversations you've heard about on Talk of Iowa over the years. It's also an organization that is going through a reinvention process right now. Andrea, welcome. Hi, Charity. Good to see you. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. And I think it's it's really interesting to listen to Anna and then to think about where you were seven years ago, really at the same point where, where she is, or six years ago, really at the same point where she is right now. Um, so tell me when you started the Iowa Writers House what your vision was. I just, listening to Anna, and I know Anna personally, um, we've been in workshop together, and she came to an Iowa Writers House a workshop this this summer, but just listening to her is really pulling on my heartstrings, because I know exactly where she is. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just want to give all the support to both Julie and Anna for the beautiful work they're doing. Um, you asked what my vision was when right. I started the Writers House. I think much like what Anna shared, there was a need. And I wanted to fill that need. Iowa City is so many things for writers. And I'm an Iowa girl. I grew up in Columbus Junction. And I moved back from kind of living in a number of cities and and working um, in media. And I was ready to dedicate myself to writing and was shocked that there wasn't a community support network and organizations. And so really the original goal was just to be a space, a place, a home, an open door for sort of all writers in this area that weren't associated with an MFA. Um, And we had five and a half beautiful years of doing that out of a space on Davenport Street. Right. So you at Iowa Writers House was a physical space. You had a house. (laughs) and People could come there to go to workshops and retreats. 
Yes. And the space was a huge part of what we offered because it was warm and cozy and we did salons and seminars and we collaborated with, you know, the Mission Creek Festival and the Inglert Theater and all these wonderful community partners. And so, you know, in the beginning, I think that space was such an essential part of who we were. And then COVID came. (laughs) And there was this moment where suddenly, you know, in-person live events was no longer going to be a thing. And I was one of the first arts organizations to sort of announce we're putting a stop to this right now while we see what happens in the in the public health world. And it really was a difficult decision, but one that had to be made. Yeah. And that was what opened up the future for what is now becoming. All right. And and you've also sold the house. I mean, this is no longer a physical space, although the Iowa Writers House organization does continue. Exactly. Um, Before we talk about where you're going next, I do want to talk about the um, Bicultural Iowa Writers Fellowship, because that's probably the most high-profile thing that you have done with the Iowa Writers House, and really an incredibly powerful way to amplify the voices of diverse Iowans. Tell me about the concept behind that. So originally, while I was doing workshops in the Writer's House, I saw a need and and maybe a lack of, of opportunity for people to tell their stories who'd come to Iowa from other countries, immigrants, first and second generation Iowans who had a really important story to tell in this you know, first to caucus state in a state full of meatpacking plant towns, one of them which I'm from, in a state of often overlooked diversity, but then reported about by sort of these parachute in journalists that are coming for the caucuses. We were in need of firsthand voices. And yet when I really thought about the opportunity for people to write that story, I saw that the barriers were just insurmountable. I mean, not only the time and money and availability to write the story, but also the skills, the comfort, maybe in the language. And then that's just to write it, let alone to get it out there in the world and get people seeing it and publishing and marketing. It just um, was overwhelming for people of means. So I had this dream to create a program that would literally remove all barriers to storytelling and to allow people who who had those important stories to tell them themselves. And that was the founding of the Bicultural Fellowship in that the realization was if I really wanted to, to remove all the barriers, that included the publishing barriers, and that meant I was going to become a publisher, which is how the Iowa Writers House imprint became a thing. So a very, very ambitious plan that you brought to fruition. I mentioned the three volumes of We the Interwoven, and I personally have just, you know, learned about so many people and their stories through those books, and then also many of them have gone on to do so much more. Of course, I had Chewy Renteria on the show Woo-hoo. not very long ago when his book um, was one of our book club books. We heard it when we were young, and that really has its roots in this bicultural fellowship. It has been such an honor to watch all of the writers take that platform and just fly. And Chewy is such a great example. You know, he came to the program ready. Uh, He was such a dedicated writer. I mean, I just remember wintry afternoons, Chewy on the writer's house couches, just cranking it out. And we'd get together in workshop and we'd talk about the stories. And he was so ready to birth that 
that story. And so he's in volume one of We the Interwoven. And then, yes, he we were able to connect him with um, the University of Iowa Press. And they were interested in his memoir. And here it is. Yeah. And he's just doing incredible things, really a powerhouse human being. And the Bicultural Fellowship, of course, with the, the change with the Iowa Writers House, there has been a bit of a pause, but it is coming back, right? Yes. And it has continued in the sense that, you know, we have a trilogy and those three books were no small feat to create. Yeah. And so I know that sort of the human mind automatically goes to when's the next thing, when's the next thing, when's the next thing. But the truth is the roots in those books are still so fertile and they've only just begun to flower. And so we've had some beautiful opportunities. The the one program that I've really maintained um, – as strongly as possible during COVID times and during this sort of pivot that we'll talk about in a minute is this program and supporting the books. And so the book sales continue, you know, to happen, the promotion of it in terms of, you know, talking with small libraries, talking with big libraries, um, events, and probably most beautifully, we've been approached by Humanities Iowa, a wonderful nonprofit organization that helps in granting and in supporting other um, grant-bearing organizations, and they are wanting to produce the audiobook of Volume 2 with maybe the goal for a longer-term project that these books and the content could be digitally available for schools oh, wow. to license and use in teaching for universities and colleges to use and license in teaching for communities to use in, in public programming. So that is underway, and um, it's it's going to be a, you know, a year or so out, but we're really excited about it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the the direction that you're taking in the future. I mentioned that you are a certified narrative therapist, and this this is something that's new to you. I think as a title, probably a lot of us are like, "What? What is that?" Yeah. So, Andrea, what is that? <laughs> well, narrative therapy um, is really where writing and the psyche sort of cross. So the idea that all of us have internalized stories about what is true in the world, in the universe, and about ourselves, and that we carry those stories and they become projections out that become our personality, that become the way we view ourselves, what we believe our limitations are and our possibilities are. And so when we are not understanding that those stories are happening. We just believe that everything in our mind is is the truth, is our limitation, is our story. But when we're able to sort of externalize and look at those stories and sort of understand the programming or the ideas that are running us, there's really an empowerment piece to that. And so what narrative therapists do is we help people look at their stories, sort of externalize them, explore them, evaluate them, and then say, are these the stories I want to continue living in my future? Or how do I want to reframe and reauthor that? And so when COVID came, and I knew I was going to need to make some changes in what both the house offered and who I was, I saw narrative therapy really as I thought the opportunity of the future. All right. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. I'm talking with Andrea Wilson, the founder and executive director of the Iowa Writers House. And this hour, three individuals who are creating opportunities, community, providing resources for Iowa writers and aspiring writers. In a moment, I'm going to bring them all together because they have so many things to share with each other. Anna McCracken is the founder of the Ames Writers Collective, and Julie Gamick is the creator of the Okoboji Writers Retreat. More in a moment. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News.
You already know you carry all of your favorite podcasts in your pocket. But did you know you can carry all of Iowa Public Radio too? Just tell your phone to play Iowa Public Radio, News, Studio One, or Classical, anytime for your favorite stream. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are meeting individuals who are building community and providing resources for Iowa writers and aspiring writers. And I'm going to bring our previous guests into the conversation in just a moment. But uh, with me right now is Andrea Wilson, founder and executive director of the Iowa Writers House. And just before the break, Andrea, we were talking about the new direction that you're taking with the Iowa Writers House. It was founded in 2015 as a physical space. You have you no longer have that physical space. The pandemic has changed a lot of things, especially for a lot of arts organizations and individuals. And you have taken your work in a new direction by becoming a certified narrative therapist. So tell me a little bit about your vision for the future with the Iowa Writers House and and how to bring these pieces together. So the vision is helping create healthier individuals and communities through writing. And that's sort of the overarching arc. But really within that, there's so much to work with. Um, In 2023, we're going to be doing workshops on rewriting the narratives of our lives, on writing and understanding personal power, workshops for children on building confidence and courage in a world that, you know, right now is a little bit scary to them. Um, And all of these areas are places where really the work on the page becomes the work of the heart, the work of the soul, the work of healing, the work of hope. There's just so much of the human experience that can can be reflected and created through writing and really coming into it knowing that, as well as allowing people still to write that memoir, to write that personal story. You know, we had um, our first workshop of this series this summer. Hope Edelman and I taught uh, a workshop called Using Narrative Therapy Techniques to Write Memoir. And it was really um, such a powerful opportunity to bring people together and introduce them to how some of these self-reflective techniques can help us write better books. And it was such a joy to have Anna McCracken in that <laughs> workshop. So we can talk to her about that in a little bit. Absolutely. And it, it sounds to me like a lot of what you're saying you were doing before, but maybe not as intentionally. Uh, Is that true? Nailed it, Charity. Absolutely. I share with people that... I would see these sparkles in the workshop circle, these moments in those years of the writer's house where people in nonfiction and fiction workshops were, you know, sitting around in that circle reading what they'd written. And I saw lights come on, people starting to work things out on the page that were just that aha moment of something about their life, about their family story, about the human experience. And there was healing happening in those circles. And that's really what pulled me in to want to pursue narrative therapy. I thought if in, you know, the aftertimes, remember this was two years ago, we didn't know what was going to happen, but if in the aftertimes, what do I want to give of myself to my community, to to my world. And I thought, I want to help people continue to have those aha moments, those moments of of healing and of hope through writing. And I want to learn tools, techniques, and methodologies to, to bring that to fruition. And really, narrative therapy woke me up to a whole world of opportunities. And I love working with people. 
Well, that is so exciting. And with me, Andrea Wilson, she is the founder and executive director of the Iowa Writers House. As I mentioned, I'm talking with three people who are the founders of writers collectives in Iowa. Anna McCracken is here, founder of the Ames Writers Collective, and Julie Gamick, the founder and producer of the Okaboji Writers Retreat and the Iowa Writers Collaborative. And Anna, um, I would love to hear your thoughts, because obviously you were part of this workshop that Andrea uh, was giving this past summer. But also, I know that this is something that you offer for other people. You host uh, cancer writing circles. I mean, tell me some of your thoughts about the power of of telling a story and what that can do for you, especially when that that's such a difficult story. You know, um, the thing with I I give prompts to the cancer patients, and they're they're not um, necessarily um, targeted at at whatever their, their cancer treatment is or what's going on, but it invariably always brings up um, stories about, you know, how they're dealing with things. Um, well, last week, um, I, one of my writers, Roger, I have both men and women in my group. We meet on Zoom, and right now it's through the, um, I'm partnering with the Bliss Cancer Center and in Ames and hoping to expand it out um, probably to Des Moines or something. But um, Roger, when he wrote... He um, told us in a story that um, I am alive. I am grateful. I still love life. Every day is a bag of gold to be opened, explored, and celebrated. I find joy every day in my world. And he came to that through his writing, um, or telling us that through his writing, uh, that his cancer diagnosis, at first he could only focus on the idea that he might be dying and that... um, he had replaced that with those those words that I just read. And he wrote that to the group. And it's so healing for everyone. Um, they don't have, when COVID hit, um, a lot of these cancer patients couldn't go to support groups and became very isolated. And one of the women um, in the group has said how the just writing has helped her through her chemo brain. She keeps referring it to as chemo brain, that it's just helped her to focus better and and sort of dispel that chemo brain and that physical therapy and writing are the two things that have helped her um, in this process over the last year. Well, and I think a lot of people, again, instinctively may turn to writing as, as something to help them work through issues that they don't fully understand or explore themselves and, and, you know, really be introspective. I think, Anna, a lot of people, of course, think, well, I want to write and I want to publish. But it sounds like you're telling me that that and and you too, Andrea, it sounds like you're you're saying that the act of writing is worth it in and of itself. Although we we may start with these ideas of like, oh, I'm going to write a a memoir that everybody will read and be moved by. But even just the journey is of incredible value. Anna, you want to comment on that? Yeah, I think, you know, the beauty of the workshop that I attended with Andrea and Hope and, you know, these writing cancer groups that I um, support, you know, they write and then they read aloud. And I think, you know, where Andrea mentioned the sparkle, that's what I see in this group. It's, you know, you can sit around and journal to yourself, but I think it's when you when you're in a group and you write and then you read it aloud. And so, you know, we only give positive affirmations in my, in my groups. And sometimes we just all sit in silence because we're just so moved by what, what the the writer has written. And none of my writers in these cancer groups want to be published, but they're seeing the benefits of just writing and reading out loud. I think, you know, Andrew can probably um, embellish that as well. Mm. 
she said it perfectly. And I think just to add to that, you know, there has been empirical research done on the sort of biological benefits of writing um James Pennebaker out of the University of Houston has done a number of studies where he brings people in for four or five days and has some of them write about the things they're going through and then some of them just write about, you know, sort of top-level gossip or um, not difficult internal things. And then they send people to their doctors and have those who've been writing about deep family wounds or things that they're working through or cancer or challenges – Um, their, um, literally all of their results come back higher than the people that were just writing about surface level things. And so ultimately, um, and Brene Brown also talks about this, is the ability to use narrative medicine for literally improving the metrics of someone's health. And therapeutically, we are seeing across the boards that people that are participating in their own sort of Um, agency of therapy through writing, through journaling, have a much better uh, healing rate and response rate. It's really an act of being a witness to yourself. And there's so many other pieces that are that are part of that. Well, and Julie, I would love for you to weigh in on this as well, because uh, I was struck when I attended the Okaboji Writers Retreat, again, that many people who were attending were not, uh, I guess, you wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily identify themselves as writers and even publishing wasn't necessarily a goal for a lot of people who were there and yet they were so excited by the opportunity to explore ideas in this way to be a part of that community but then also excited uh so many people came back from the year before they were so excited about what it had felt like to write tell me your thoughts about that Well, first, Charity, I I really have to thank you once again for connecting us all because that's what you do in this show. So many of the the writers I invited to to be resources at the Okaboji Writers Retreat I met because of you. Um, This is exciting. I can't wait to – we've all – friended each other on Facebook by now. <laughs> in and the midst true, of the program. True, true. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I just sent Andrea a note saying, oh, I've got scholarship money for some of your people. <laughs> so thank you. This is just, this is really thrilling for me. And um, so nice of you to connect people with shared passion and vision. So thank you, Charity, for what you do. I don't know what you asked me, but you better ask me again. <laughs> All right. Well, building community is something that's important to me. It's obviously something that's important to you as well, Julie. And I was asking you about, you know, you bring a lot of people together who are not necessarily writers, but they get so excited about engaging in the process. Why do you think that is so exciting and powerful for people? Well, let's see. When I first started thinking about how to uh, put together the writer's retreat, it was shortly after George Floyd was murdered. And I had this idealistic Pollyannish idea that I was going to, you know, kumbaya my way around Iowa and introduce people to one another um, of different different backgrounds and and, uh, ethnicities. And I was sharing this idea with a friend of mine. She said, you know, that's really stupid. (laughs) She said, nobody's going to come to that who needs to come to that. And she was absolutely right. So I thought, well, if I put on a writer's retreat, And the people who were there as presenters were of different ethnicities, and they were in a powerful position that 
that the folks who would come would come and learn from them and oh by the way they're they're different than what they're than who they're used to hanging out with and i think that's a piece that just being very intentional about um, having a multicultural uh, experience. I think that's part of the excitement. I think it's, um, well, there was one woman who was there who wanted to write a memoir about her, the death of her husband who was killed by a drunk driver. And this was several years ago, and she's still so angry and bitter. And she was talking about that in a memoir uh, session. And the woman next to her said, I could have been that driver. And it was just like, whoo, silence. But she was 15 years uh, sober. But that was the beginning of a healing process for the woman who was still so, so angry about what happened. And then she got to know somebody who struggled with alcoholism. Um, so it's that kind of, and Andrea was talking about this, and as was Anna, um, the the excitement that can happen when people share their stories and and learn from others. It changes your perspective, or it can. And that ability to listen in an open way, that's something that maybe a lot of us don't experience in everyday life. And uh, Julie, I'm struck by in bringing people together at Lakeside Labs in a, you know, (laughs) far away from everything (laughs) in a very beautiful (laughs) location. I mean, you're opening people's Ears. I mean, they're they're there to listen to each other and to connect with people. That's their sole purpose. So that that changes how we interact with each other, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's really exciting to see. And that retreat has launched. I I don't know how many, but dozens of little writers workshops all over the state, hasn't it? (laughs) It really has. I just met with uh, some in Cedar Rapids a couple of weeks ago. They they decided, they met each other on the barge trip around the lake we had one night, and they realized they all lived within an hour of each other. They'd never met before. So they decided to form a little writers group, and uh, they were so enthralled with the conversation that they had that kept going on and on, and they'd run out and feed their parking meters, and then they'd come back and they'd keep talking, <laughs> and they'd run out and feed their parking meters. Well, then they just got carried away, and they didn't feed their parking meters, so they got a, a warning ticket, barking ticket. It's, it's their first defense. So they are now the first defense writers group. <laughs> that, that's so wonderful. Well, and uh, Andrea, you have seen so many people come together. And of course, people who've signed up for the retreats and the, the you know, opportunities to learn at the Iowa Writers House obviously had a goal in coming to those sessions. But tell me what you see in how in how people interact with each other and connect in that environment in a different way. I think that what we see again and again is an ability to be vulnerable when you're in a safe container. And yes. when a writing circle comes together, there's sort of this emotional, invisible contract or bond that is here is the place where we put aside, you know, the work goals and the personas and the masks, and we come to this space uh, authentically as ourselves. And when that kind of connection happens, um, Incredible things happen in front of our very eyes. 
Uh, I'm hearing yep. Julie and Anna right, say right, yes, yeah, right? I'm nodding. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Anna, what, what are your thoughts about that? What have you seen? I've just seen, you know, through my cancer patients, you know, that they feel safe in sharing their concerns and their hopes and their fears and that they are able to share their insights, tears and laughter without any criticism and only, you know, heartfelt support from the group that's surrounding them. So it's just been a wonderful experience for me to experience this. And I I already asked you this earlier, Anna, um, and I, I hate to bring it around to this because, um, you know, obviously you are all community builders and you are all doing this as a labor of love. And yet you also have to, to make a living. Things need to be sustainable. Um, Andrea, you've had years to think about this. I mean, is is this kind of organization one that can be sustainable over a long term? I have this theory that the the writing circle and the writing workshop is going to evolve out of a hobby and something that people see as nice to have and actually that people will begin to see it as an essential piece of the village and something that has been lost in sort of the way society has progressed, the way we connect to each other, the way we bring ourselves um, open-hearted together. And so I want to just say that I believe that these circles actually are the future and that's one of the reasons I have taken a therapeutic route to them. And I'm in support in all the ways of Anna and Julie. We are going to make these work. We are. <laughs> Watch out, world. Thank you, Andrea. Yes. Oh. Well, thank you all for being here today. I've been talking with Andrea Wilson, founder of the Iowa Writers House. You can find out more at iowawritershouse.com. Julie Gamick is the founder and producer of the Okaboji Writers Retreat. You can find out more about that at okabojiwritersretreat.com. And Anna McCracken is the founder of the Ames Writers Collective, and you can find out more about that at ameswriterscollective.org. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe.